Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris, from Lace Partners. I hope you are well. Wonderful listener to our latest in our ongoing series. I can say series, but actually we just do it every single week, so it's not really a series. It's a never-ending story. It's the uh, HR on the Offensive podcast, but hopefully uh, you are enjoying the uh, content that we push out, and today hopefully will be no exception. We love the guys at How Now, and I've spoken to one of the guys from How Now, Gary, who we did a podcast around content a few weeks ago, which was really good. And I read a white paper that the guys at How Now wrote recently. It's called The Death of the LMS. And I thought, oh, that's provocative and catchy. I'm going to get them on to have a chat about what's in this uh, this white paper, this bit of research. And to do that, I've got Nelson uh, Sivalingham, who is the CEO of How Now. Nelson, how are you, sir? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, it's good to have you back. It's really, really good to have you back. And a, like I said, a provocative title. You do like a provocative title <laughs> now. So um, tell us a little bit. Let's have a little chat about this uh, white paper. Let's start off. I mean, actually, before we start off, if you can just for those people that don't maybe don't know, they probably if they're regular listeners and they will know about how now because we've had you on a few times. But just for those who maybe are listening in for the first, second or third time, if you can do a bit of an intro into yourself and then also on how now, that'd be amazing. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm, I'm one of the founders and CEO at HowNow. At HowNow, essentially, we help companies make meaningful learning a part of everyday work. So we bring relevant learning, skills and knowledge directly into the flow of work for every employee and help organizations track their L&D all in one place. And so you can build the skills that you need as fast as possible. And we do that through our learning platform. And we also have curated content from a range of uh, trusted providers. And I'm also the author of a book called Learning at Speed, which is really about helping companies accelerate the rate at which they learn, because it's critical for every business, given the rate of change that we're seeing, and to playbook that companies can apply. And, and yeah, and today I'm here to talk about the death of the LMS. I mean, we, we've been talking about it for the last few years, but I think this is the first time we kind of consolidated research, best practices and, and put it out there. And it's been getting a great, great response. Yeah, it's really, really interesting response. I do love the second page, which is in memory of the uh, learning management system, October 1924 to May 2023. <laughs> that, did, uh, that did make me chuckle. But let's dive into the actual content of it. So why did you decide to produce this provocative statement to the market? I think sometimes you just got to say what everyone's thinking. And, you know, we, it, we've got to recognise that actually the, the traditional learning management system and what it was built for and what it does it is now holding us back, right? We're in a new world of work where everything about the way we communicate at work, the way we track performance, the way we deliver employee experience, everything about it is changing and changing very rapidly. But the one thing that hasn't changed is the LMS, right? It's, it's still fundamentally functions and it's built on the same principles it was built a couple of decades ago. And we see this and we see how it holds back companies. And often, most of the customers that we work with are people who are moving away from their, they've experienced the pain and problem with, with a traditional LMS. And they're like, actually, this is the problem. No one was using it. It didn't help us build the skills that we needed, et cetera, et cetera. And seeing so many customers go through that pain, we're like, 
well, if you've got the opportunity right now not to make that mistake, you shouldn't. Now, it's not to say the LMS didn't add any value at any point, right? It, it was designed for a particular reason at a particular time. And we talk about this in terms of it was where there's a simpler world, right? Where you just needed yeah. something to store your content. You needed someone to give you e-learning school content and you needed somewhere where it can sit and you can push it out and track if someone's completed it or not. That's not the challenge that l and are faced with today. It's not about how you're going to push content and check whether someone's completed it. The challenge we're facing today is how are you going to build the skills that a business needs as quick as possible and track whether you're building those skills or not, right? And 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 that's a far bigger and, and far more nuanced question than have they completed my content or not? And to mm. do that, you need a completely different tech stack. And that's why the Def of the LMS report that we put out is to show you with evidence that this is not working. And we know it's not working. Right. There's data out there. We need to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And throughout the report, that is the kind of the red thread that runs through it is this idea that it's not just about pumping out of content. It's actually about doing that skills first. approach. We'll come to that at the end because that's towards the end of the actual uh, piece. But in the report, you talk about the three nails that are in the coffin of the LMS. So can we just go through each of those? So just for the benefit of our listeners, the three nails are the scattered resources equals scattered results, disconnected flow of work, not there in the moments that matter. L&D teams can't measure their skills. Um, and so they're struggling to provide business impact. So if you can just break down for us each of those and some of the key bits that you key takeaways that you want our listeners to take from those three nails in the coffin. So let's take the thing that brings all of this together, right? It's what we like to call the engagement gap. It's the fact that the biggest barrier to an L&D team success, it isn't that you can't run this extra report. It isn't that you can't book the training room through a system. It's the fact that no one engages with the learning that you put out. But you spend all this time and money putting together the most quote unquote perfect training program and actually hardly anyone engages with it. And the people who do don't really get any value from it. And this is a very common problem. Like just to put it into perspective, in a survey that was recently done, only 12% of people reported using any of the skills that they got from the learning they did, which means 88% of people found it useless. Right? They didn't really get any value from it to apply it to the work that they're doing. And so the question we're really asking is, why Why does this engagement gap exist? Because it's an expensive problem, right? If you keep spending time and money in L&D budget, that's not getting, it's not engaging people. They're not benefiting from it in terms of building the skills they need. Why is this happening? Now, the first thing is recognizing, the first nail is recognizing actually all the learning and knowledge you need doesn't live inside a single system. And that single system most definitely isn't the LMS. And, and I love asking this question in a room full of L&D people, where I'd ask them going, okay, I want you to take a moment, if you're listening, take a moment to think about what was the last time you learned something that had a big impact on your performance or career, right? Think about what that thing is. And then I would ask a room full of L&D people, okay, put your hand up if it took place inside an LMS. And no one, literally I've done this so many times, no one puts their hand up and yeah. everyone chuckles, right? Everyone has a moment to chuckle because it's ironic because most of those people are going to buy an LMS and they're going to force employees to come to that LMS. Yet that's not where they would go. And then yeah. I give a whole range of other stuff, a blog, 
a podcast, a book, yeah. a webinar, learning from a colleague. Can I just interrupt yeah. just for one second? I've got a perfect example of this that literally happened to me in the last week. That's the only reason why I'm inter- interrupting is, so last time I learned something was actually via a podcast and it was a digital marketing podcast talking about Google Analytics 4. And I'd gone on to Google Analytics 4 to see, oh, what's all this about? And I couldn't quite work it out. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to bother. So trying to do that just naturally didn't, didn't work, but just went for a run heard it on my headphones, heard what they were talking about. Well, GA4 is going to do this, blah, 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 blah. I learned something. And that's spot on to what you're just saying, the blog, the podcast. But sorry, carry on. Yeah, absolutely, right? And and it goes to say that all of these things are scattered, right? They they live in different sources, different systems, both inside and outside of the organization. And they're scattered also because they're not tagged and organized in a consistent way, right? That podcast you listen to is going to be tagged in a completely different way to a course that's coming from a third-party content provider, right? And so what you need is a way of bringing all of this together and making sure it's organized based on a very consistent skills framework, right? To to go, you want it to be organized based on the skills framework that you have in your organization, not based on what the creator thinks is relevant for tagging that content. And so that's where what you recognize is people will learn like you did with or without L&D, right? That doesn't mean everyone jump ship, you know, change a career, L&D is a dying profession. No, it's actually the opposite. Now more than ever, because it's content and so many content sources, you need someone to, to kind of bring it together and organize it in an efficient way. And this is where I often make the parallel of, think about it almost like the conductor of an orchestra, right? It's one of the most visible roles in the world. But most people are like, what the hell does a conductor do, right? Can the musicians not play without a conductor? Of course they can. But the conductor is there to make sure you're playing in harmony, you're aligned, you're in time. And that's exactly what L&D are. They are the conductors of the L&D ecosystem, right? They're bringing all of these sources and content and resources together in a way that's far more effective and efficient. And that's the first nail there, which is scattered content makes it different. There's too much friction for you to find the most relevant learning. And when there's friction, and you've not got time because we're all busy people, it doesn't happen. You end up with the engagement. So that's the, the first now. The second now is now that say you manage to solve that first one and you get it all together, right? It doesn't mean you dump everything on everyone, right? You want people to connect with the most relevant learning or knowledge at the right moment that matters. Moment that matters are moments where you can shape someone's performance because they need to know something. It's it's a moment of need where they're most motivated to engage with it. The best example of this is Google search, right? Is most of us in that moment of need, we'd go to Google search. We'd search for something, we'll find something, we're more likely to engage with it, we're more likely to apply it. And that creates a positive feedback loop because I'm like, oh, I found something useful on Google, I applied it. Next time I need something, I'm going to go back to Google to search for this. That positive feedback loop doesn't exist in workplace learning because we don't take into account context and time. We push something out at a time that suits us as L&D, not when it suits the person, not when it's their moment of need. And so to do that, you need to understand where are they in that moment, right? What are they doing? Are they inside their CRM? Are they about to message back to a customer who's asked a really difficult question? Right? Are they about to solve an engineering problem and they need to know best practices and they need to know relevant knowledge at that moment of time? And so that's the second element comment. It's disconnected from my moment of need in those moments that matter. And so what we need to be able to do is deliver relevant learning in those moments that matter, in the flow of work. And that's what the kind of second now we talk about. And the third one is you need to know if this is working. 
right? And right now, what we unfortunately see many L&D teams do is track completion rate, right, and time spent learning. Now, just because someone spent 40 hours of their week learning doesn't make them all of a sudden better at their job, right? It's not a self-fulfilling prophecy where I go to a leadership course and I come out a better leader, right? It doesn't have work that way. You need to be able to measure, are people applying what they learn, right? Is it actually translating into skills? Is there learning transfer that's taking place? Without doing that, you don't know what's working. And if you don't know what's working, you're spending money on a bunch of stuff that's ineffective. What you want to be able to do is measure impact very quickly so you can double down on the things that are working and cut the things that are not as quickly as possible. And that's the third nail that you need to solve for. Yeah. And so bring that all together, because I'm trying to put myself into an L&D person's position. And you bring all that together. And if you're the cynic, you're going to say, well, how do you even do that? Because everyone, as you've just said, everyone learns differently. Everyone has different points and periods in their working week where their moment, the matter moment is different. And how, as an L&D person, can you measure all of that? Like, I can't measure when's Chris Howard going to be learning about Google Analytics 4 because he just happens to listen to a podcast when he went out for a run on a Tuesday afternoon because that's what he likes to do. So now I'm an L&D professional. Well, that's one instance, but we've got 5,000, 10,000 employees. Like, where do I even start? I don't even know. I guess that's the whole crux around the nail in the coffin. So just some thoughts on that. Ultimately, we then move on to, as you talked about, the, the why you need to have a, a business case for change. Yeah, a great question, Chris. And that question, like, it feels overwhelming, right? How would I bring this together? How would I make it relevant? How would I connect? And that's exactly the reason why, firstly, the LMS is dead, right? Because what we can all agree, at some point in time, whether you're in LND or not, you would have interacted with an LMS and you would know the LMS was not solving any of those problems, right? So at the very least, if you're feeling overwhelmed listening to that, we can all agree that's because your LMS doesn't help you do that, right? Now the question is, okay, how do we tackle this? What do we need to be able to solve this problem? So actually the first one of scattered learning, like I said, is, is actually you need to be able to bring this ecosystem together by integrations, right? All of these sources, you integrate and bring it together. And the advance in AI, as a lot of people process to be able to easily tag, organize, bring it all together into a single searchable place. And that's exactly what we do at HowNow. We bring it all together. So rather than searching 30 different front doors, you've now got a single front door where all of this learning exists, right? Now that's the first thing of reducing the friction is bringing it together, making sure it's tagged and organized based on your internal skills framework. Now it's how do I connect it with them in those moments that matter? Now, this comes down to a fundamental question of relevance and access, right? You need a way of making content relevant. And this is where the idea of skills first comes to. What is relevant? The things that are relevant are the things that are helping me build the skills I need to perform better and grow in my career. As an employee, that's what I care about, right? Does this thing help me perform better? And is it going to help me grow in my career? If it's not doing either of those things, then why the hell am I wasting my time engaging with this, right? And to do that, you need your content organized based on skills, and you need a platform that's smart enough to be able to understand, okay, what skills do you have and don't have, and start to recommend content on that, and give you the data as a business to segment your target audience, much like a marketer. You know, say, for example, we were both running a high-protein cereal bar company, right? Now, we've got two options. We can either market it to everyone who has breakfast, right? Or we can target people who go to the gym in the morning, don't have enough time for breakfast, and therefore need something high-protein to eat, right? 
it probably sounds quite logical which one's going to convert better. It's probably the latter because it's a lot more targeted. We need to apply the same mindset within workplace learning. It's not about pushing something out to everyone in sales or everyone in tech. It's about pushing it out to everyone in sales who's got less than a level three proficiency for negotiation skills. So segmenting your target audience based on those skills gaps to make it more personalized. But that's just the push part. Right. What we also need to do is enable the self-directed part. When Chris wants to go find a podcast around GA4, right? Chris shouldn't have to search the internet to find that. If we've created a curated resource of high-level content that's constantly up to date, Chris should be able to A, get a recommendation within this platform, or when Chris searches, he's getting the most relevant results from all over the place in this single place. So you reduce the friction both for push and pull learning. And you can do this with tech, right? We do this with our customers, right? So we're well aware you can do it. And in terms of measuring impact, how do I know whether it's having impact? It doesn't have to be too complicated. It could be something as simple as, for example, in how now what we do is a, is a 360 feedback loop. Right. So we combine self-assessment, peer assessment, and a manager assessment out of a standardized five-level proficiency scale for every skill that you have. So let's take leadership. I give myself a three out of five. My colleagues give me a range of different ratings. My manager then gives me a rating too. We average that out. Now what you have is a numerical value for your skills proficiency. Now that you have a number to it, you can manage it as the age old saying goes, right? You can now look at it across my team and go, ah, product knowledge, about 60% of my team are less than competent. They're less than level three. So for me to be able to hit my sales target this round, I need to address this gap there. That's impact. It's impact. And we take deliberately take a subjective 360 route because the best people to evidence whether you're applying what you're learning are the people you work with and your manager, right? It's not an assessment. You know, there are platforms out there that will do it objectively. You know, they'll give you a test, you ace your test, and now they go, you're level four. Our philosophy is we don't believe in that. Right, because we don't believe in the self-fulfilling prophecy aspect. What we believe in is evidence it. And 360 feedback is a really powerful and easy to implement way of evidencing impact. I really like that. And just kind of just for the purposes of this analogy that we were talking about with the GA4 stuff. So the my dad doesn't really know anything about marketing, but in this instance, I'm being a kind of tongue-in-cheek here, but I wouldn't go to my dad based on a recommendation of his of which podcasts would be good for Google Analytics for because his the validity that he has is not great. However, I've got Romy in my team or Jenny, who works in my team, who's the digital marketing manager. She might actually know a really good podcast. And so yeah. that's a really silly sort of small scale example. But if you multiply out by, a, again, a 10,000 person company and you're thinking, who are the people that I would like to get those recommendations for? So I know I get a decent podcast podcast listening experience from something that I'm going to learn as opposed to people less so. I think that's a really fascinating and it's almost like a, it's like a crowdsourcing version of learning skills, really. Yeah, absolutely. It goes away from this idea of, you know, L&D being the gatekeepers to becoming the enablers. If you're like a three-person, four-person L&D team, right, in, in a high-growth company, it's just impossible for you to be able to personalize learning for every single individual on your own and create all the content for everything. You're not going to be able to do it. What you need to be able to do is enable the organization to be able to curate, to be able to share knowledge with each other, to be able to access learning. And this is where we need to change our mindset. You know, L&D is not a function. It's a capability. It's an organizational capability that everyone is responsible for. 
You're, if you're a manager, you're responsible for it. If you're an employee in a company, you're responsible for your own L&D, right? And, and so I think it's changing that mindset where L&D are taking the responsibility for reducing the friction in that entire process, right? Yeah. Chris shouldn't have to go find these content sources, right? I could work with the marketing team to come up with, okay, what are the best sources that you keep going back to? Great. Let me integrate it with my learning platform and bring it in here. So you don't have to keep searching for it every time and going to a different platform. You don't know what skills you're getting from this podcast. No worries. We'll tag it with the relevant skills so you can start to see, is it helping me build the skills? And so I think it's that focus, right? L&D own that part of it, but they definitely don't own learning and development as an act as a practice within the company. Yeah, I've got just one more question, and then I'm going to ask you if there's anything else that you wanted to just highlight from the report that perhaps we haven't discussed, because we've sort of jumped a little bit backwards and forwards. I mean, there's you, you mentioned earlier on about the engagement gap, and of course, there's a chapter in there that people can read in a little bit more details about that. There's also the stuff around the different nails in the coffee and the business change side. If you were to, it's going to be difficult because obviously the businesses that you work with, you naturally deliver this for them. But if you're thinking about L&D functions as a whole, how many businesses do you think are adopting this skills first approach across not just your customers, but the L&D sort of landscape as a whole? And the reason I'm asking that question is because we have ourselves talked to a lot of people around like skills first sort of way in which you design your business like focus more on functions focus more on what skills they have because then you've got other things like you know transferable skills between departments and stuff like that so how many L&D teams do you think are cutting onto this is it enough is there more to do where do you think we're at in terms of a landscape I'd definitely say, if I look at it just in the last five years, I would definitely say in the last 18 months, it's building momentum. And I think mm -hmm. the reason for that is every company right now is struggling with a skill shortage, right? It's a fundamental problem that every business is faced with. And I think post kind of COVID and in the UK, post Brexit, they, we thought this was a temporary blip. Give it some time, it'll sort itself out. The skills will come up. But Actually, this is quite a macro problem. There's incredible data that came out from the US where there's now uh, six open roles for every qualified person who could do those roles. So what that tells you is there's a ton of job opportunity. I know we've heard all of these redundancies and layoffs, but for the right skills, there's a lot of job opportunity out there. Now, you combine that with over 70% of companies who reported saying the people who left their company left because of a lack of growth opportunities. So if you piece those two data points together, the story we're getting is there's so much job opportunity in the market for the right skills, the people with those skills will walk. They'll leave your company until they find a company who's willing to back them on their growth journey, right? And they've got plenty of opportunity out there so they can keep walking, right? Because there's enough companies to jump around to. Now, what that means for you as a business right now is a huge risk. It means you might not have the skills to basically get work done in your company. Like forget innovating and disrupting the space, just to get, you know, meet your customer need, deliver projects. If you're losing people with the most relevant skills, you might not have the skills to get work done, right? So the skill shortage is a genuine problem. And it's now, and the thing about skills is, it's a language that everyone in the business understands, right? The, the CEO gets it, your people manager gets it, your employee gets it. It's, it's not an LMD language. Right, course completion and time spent learning is L&D language, right? But once we start talking skills, now we're talking, you know, a universal language that everyone understands. Everyone understands when you say, we don't have the skill to get this job done in our country. Everyone gets it. Where we're at now, I would say more and more 
organizations, C-suite, L&D are aware of the problem. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to speak to a lot of people aware of the problem, right? And some of them who are early adopters tend to have tried to hack together a solution to solve this problem. They figured out the LMS is doing it, not doing it for them. And so what they'll do is they're probably hacking together other ways of doing it. Like we've heard all sorts of crazy things, people using WhatsApp, you know, using bits of stuff. They're trying to figure yeah. out a way to make this happen. And I would say that's where a lot of companies are, are getting to is, is problem with They feel the pain. They know something needs to be done about. But they're at that point, which you mentioned earlier, Chris, which is, I get this problem, but I don't know what the hell I'm going to do to try to solve this problem. And that's exactly why we created this report, is we were having so many of these conversations. And it isn't, I, I want to, you know, I know uh, as a founder of a software company, the easiest thing for me to say is software is the answer to everything. But that's not what we're saying. Right? What we're saying is actually, it's a mindset. Take the software out of this, Right. It's actually just you changing your philosophy from a very content first approach where you're all about what content needs do you need, right? Uh, Let me buy more content library. Let me push out content. Let me see if you've completed this content. It's shifting your mindset from that to a skills first where the questions we're asking is proactively, what skills does the business need? Where does the content to build these skills exist, right? At what moment does this skills gap manifest itself and how am I going to connect it in the flow of work? And am I tracking whether L&D is having the positive impact on skills or not? That's what we need to be able to do. Now, once you get to that point, you can hack your way, do it manually. There's, you know, a 360 skills assessment. You don't need a tool to do that. You could do it with a lot of pain using spreadsheets. But where the software comes into play is for you to be able to do this at scale with less friction and pain. Mm. That's where the right tool comes in. But even before you get to the tool and the solution, you need to first recognize there's a problem and change your mindset to how you approach L&D. Yeah, I think that is a really good sort of ending point, actually. The title of this report is obviously provocative and death of the LMS, but actually it's that mindset shift. And as a business, that's the real underlying message from here, I would have said. And I'll just give you an opportunity just before we wrap up to give any further thoughts on that. But for me, that's one of the interesting things about this report is it's Yes, it's a provocative title, but actually it's the mindset shift that businesses and L&D teams need to make. Because once that mindset shift happens, that's when you're going to get other people like your CEOs, like the C-suite that are going to go, okay, now we're seeing the value here. Absolutely. And and you're right, right? Like the death of the LMS is is more a symbol of the old world, right? It's a symbol of how things were done. But there's a bunch of other tools in that same category, right? Like old tools that we're using that we don't use anymore. And you can probably apply it for you know a whole bunch of functions within the business. And it's like that. It's just recognizing, look, it's, it's had its time. And, and you can't force it. You can't retrofit it now. It, it needs a fundamental shift. And, and it needs a fundamental shift because that right now, if you're an L&D person and you feel like people are not engaging and people, are, people almost respond to what you put out, almost like an unwanted interruption, yeah. right? That's because you're pushing content, not helping them build skills, right? To turn it from an interruption to a meaningful part of everyday work, you need to move away from content versus skills first, right? And, and that's the key thing. If you're sitting there going, why do people go, I've not got enough time to learn. You know, it's too much of an interruption. I'm too busy, right? People do have the time to learn. People don't schedule it in their calendar to go to Google and search. They do it because they're motivated, motivated by a moment of need, right? They know they need that. 
And they do the same for learning and knowledge. The podcast that you mentioned earlier, Chris, is a great example of that. You needed to know something. You went and done something about it. That's what we all do when we need to learn something. It's not about people saying, I don't have time. Yeah, they're right. They don't have time for things that are irrelevant. Right. And if you're yeah. pushing out irrelevant stuff, you're right. They don't have time. And so that's the thing to think about. How are you going to make this a meaningful part of everyday work? And to do that, it requires that shift from content first to skills first. That's a really brilliant and a lovely way for us to wrap up today. Nelson, as always, been fantastic uh, chatting to you, getting your passions for this uh, this skills-first approach and uh, and the report, which was a really interesting report. We'll put a link to it in the show notes itself. So if you want to download and listen, you're already listening to the podcast. If you want to download and read the white paper, the report, then uh, we will give you access to that too. Nelson, thank you very much, as always, for joining me. Thanks for having me on the show, Chris. It's been great to have you on. Of course, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts or you can listen to our entire back catalogue of podcasts if you've got that time and you want to do some learning, maybe, from a skills-first approach. There we go. I've just shoot all that and listen to the podcast with all. But uh, thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it and we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.